0: This is episode 354 of the AWS podcast, released on February 2nd, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Adibiz podcast. I'm Alicia here with you. Great to have you back, and I'm joined, of course, by Nikki Stone. G'day, Nikki.
1: Hello. Glad to be back,
0: as usual. Good to have you back. Now, we've disturbed Nikki from checking in some code, uh, so she's been doing real work, but I've dragged her away so that we can talk about some interesting stuff that you might be interested in. Now, m- many of you will know uh, that I-, I often joke that Nikki only travels to places that have a cloud front hop. Uh, I- I'm starting to think now there's a new technique that we only deploy regions and areas that Nikki has, has uh, traveled to. So without any further ado, has have some great infrastructure news for our listeners because AWS is launching a new standard AWS region in Osaka in early 2021. Nikki, you've, you've been there. <laughs>
1: I seem to go there every year, actually. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you might be right. You might actually have a have a pattern there. I'm I'm actually going to Singapore though next month, though. So, um, if we don't, right, I think we do have a region in Singapore. But we do, we do one. have one in, in Singapore.
0: In fact, uh, the Osaka region will become AWS's ninth region in Asia Pacific. It joins existing regions in Beijing, Hong Kong, Mumbai, Ningxia, Seoul, Singapore, Sydney, and Tokyo. There you go. Exactly. And uh, this now means we've got 69 availability zones, 22 infrastructure regions. And that means we now have announced plans for 16 more availability zones and five more regions in Indonesia, Italy, Japan, South Africa, and Spain. So your um, travel itinerary is getting longer, but more importantly, lots more options for customers to deploy their applications.
1: Wow. That's a really nice itinerary there. I want to go to some of those places. So this is working out in my favor. Moving on to the topic of Marketplace, AWS Marketplace offers new pricing options for container-based software. Um, so our Marketplace is now offering even more pricing options for container-based software. Starting today, you can find software that is built on demand based on new consumption units, such as the number of worker nodes managed, and you can also purchase contracts for one year or longer to secure the best price for your commitment. These new options are available from container software vendors Caston, Solo Dev, Intus, and Kilt Data, and we expect many more to be added in the coming months. Switching over to the topic of analytics, over to you.
0: So I'm sure that new pricing appeals to you because you're a, you're a container fanatic on the show. So uh, <laughs> you like the fact that there's well, container based pricing. <laughs> Let's move on. To, like that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to analytics. You can access resources within your VPC using Amazon Kinesis Data Analytics. So this means you can uh, now get access to this across all regions that Amazon Kinesis Data Analytics is available. We previously announced uh, support for regions. It's now available anywhere that Kinesis Data Analytics is available. Amazon QuickSight has now launched some new analytical functions, uh, Athena Workgroup and Presto VPC Connector support. So now there are some even more uh, useful math functions to perform your advanced statistical calculations. So things that are included are things like uh, logarithms, uh, natural logarithm, exponent, square root and absolute. Uh, Also now there are additional level aware aggregations on rank, dense rank and percentile rank. And this means you can really apply and compute these functions on your business metrics, irrespective of the filters applied and aggregations performed on your visual. So it gives you lots more flexibility. Uh, we also now have support for Athena workgroup associations with Athena data sources. So now you can associate usage controls on, uh, on Athena and access uh, different uh, input data uh, based upon what you're trying to do. And also you can now connect your data in Presto data source within your VPC to build dashboards on QuickSight. Last update. I love it
1: when machines do
0: math for me. It's a good thing, isn't it? And finally for analytics, there's a new quick start that deploys Matillion ETL for Amazon Redshift on AWS. That's a extract, transform and load tool that automates data loads and transforms for greater speed, scale and savings in the enterprise. Uh, If you're using this uh, either on premises or in the cloud, uh, this gets you up and running in about 20 minutes, which is nice. Now, Nikki, we're moving on to the topic of compute, and this is uh, an announcement that I want to give you full space to announce because I think it's pretty exciting for our customers.
1: Yeah, top of this topic is a really cool announcement. Amazon EKS announces a 50% price reduction. 50%, that's not a mistake, is it? <laughs> no, we love a mistake. price drop for our customers. Today they have reduced <laughs> EKS by 50% to $0.10 cents per hour for each Kubernetes
0: cluster that you run, that's one. That's, that's it. That's, it's just and the just so And so customers don't have to do anything to get this; they just get it from January twenty first. And so they this is this it. is another one where you know, trick for young plays. This is one where you sidle up to the CFO uh, in your organization and say, "Boss, I've saved us fifty percent on our EKS bills. Don't ask me how I did it, but I did it. You'll see it on the next bill. Thank me later." You should
1: promote me <laughs> that's for that. Right. You I like with that.
0: that. Now, I know a lot of customers have been very excited to hear about AWS Outposts, and it's now available in seven new regions and additional countries. Do you want to hit us with the list, Nikki?
1: Yeah, the list is Canada, Central, and then Europe, the London region, the Paris region, and Stockholm region. Uh, We have the Bahrain region in the Middle East, and then we have in Asia, Hong Kong, and Singapore.
0: That is fantastic. And uh, this is exciting because it's also available in the Hong Kong Special Administration region as well. And this is a solution that's really useful when you need a very low latency as- access to your compute and your storage, but also this connects back into the AWS region of your choice. So probably, uh, probably about time we do a deep dive on this at some stage. I think, but we'll get there soon.
1: Moving on, AWS now offers NVIDIA Quadro virtual workstations for EC2 g4 instances at no additional that's my cost. My favorite price. Uh, so if you, yeah, best <laughs> price is no price. <laughs> If you require the world's most powerful professional graphics, uh, you can now take advantage of EC2 G4 instances to set up NVIDIA Quadro virtual workstations, again, for free at no cost. Uh, With this uh, workstation capability included in the instance cost, G4 instances offer the best price performance for virtual workstations in the cloud with a starting cost of only uh, 52 cents per hour running on demand. NVIDIA T4 GPUs used in EC2G4 instances support RT cores for efficient hardware powered ray tracing. Uh, these cores, in combination with Quadro V workstation, support RTX enabled apps for real time ray traced rendering and interactive computer graphics. Uh, so, this new workstation that is offered with Amazon EC2G4 streamlines access and affordability to customers who require the agility of professional graphics workstations in the cloud. Super cool. Very nice.
0: AWS Backup now adds support for EC2 instance backup. So now you can uh, automate backup and recovery jobs for EC2 instances without the need for custom scripts or third-party solutions. Basically, you can backup at the EC2 level, backup both the AMI and the attached EBS volumes as well. So this makes it very easy to manage your backups if you need to up your EC2 instances. And really, this depends on whether you're operating stateful or stateless. Uh, if you're operating stateless, so you're just building off an AMI and away you go – then you don't need to back it up because you can rehydrate it easily. But if for some reason, and there's many reasons why that may happen, you've had to customize, or you have uh, what we would call a precious snowflake of a uh, of a server, um, you can now back it up very very easily. Amazon LightSail expands its selection of instance blueprints, so it now offers Ghost and Django blueprints, so this lets you get up and running to create a blog, a web application, et cetera, with just a few clicks. Uh, LightSail gives you a curated selection of pre-configured application stacks, so you can find the software you need for your project. Uh, Ghost complements LightSail's existing suite of blogging platforms and gives you a streamlined markdown interface for creating both personal and professional blogs. And Django is, of course, a very popular Python web framework and lets you create secure and scalable web apps written in Python. So you can get this up and running very, very quickly and uh, just kind of a shortcut to get going, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. Amazon EC2 spot instances can now be stopped and started similar to on-demand instances. This one's pretty cool. So you can now stop your spot instances backed by EBS and start them at will instead of relying on the stop interruption behavior to stop. Your spot instances when interrupted. So, earlier you could only terminate your spot instances, but now you can actually stop them and start them um, with a user initiated stop state provided that the spot capacity is available within your maximum price requirements. Uh, this feature is available for persistent spot requests, and you will not be charged for instance usage when your instance is stopped. And you should cancel your spot requests anytime to actually terminate those instances. I think that's really cool that you can actually stop and start them now before you had to actually terminate them. And then uh, finally, in the topic of compute, Elastic Beanstalk has launched a public roadmap. Super cool. You can now follow the roadmap on GitHub to get updates on recently launched features, upcoming features, and provide feedback on what you want us to support. You can also create new issues to propose features or changes that you'd like to see or comment on existing issues with feedback and suggestions or, you know, the old GitHub plus
0: one. This is really useful because, uh, because, uh, you know, about 90, 95% of our roadmap is from customer feedback and there are many channels for customer feedback. I think this is another really useful one. And, And like you say, Nikki, even if you see something you like, a simple plus one goes a long way to making it real.
1: Most definitely. We definitely look at GitHub yeah. all the
0: time. Let's move on to the topic of customer engagement. Amazon Simple Email Service now lets you use your existing IP address ranges to send emails. So this is a feature called Bring Your Own IP, which means you can send email through publicly ratable IP addresses that you already own. Now, this is really useful in terms of uh, reputational management and a whole bunch of other uh, almost black magic that exists in the email sending trade, which SES seeks to make easy for you. For some customers using the SES IPs uh, wasn't going to be an option. So now you can bring your own IP, which is pretty exciting. And uh, if you're not familiar with the regions that it's available in, because it grew recently, uh, late last year, uh, SES is available in North Virginia, Oregon, Mumbai, Sydney, Frankfurt, and Dublin. And of course, these are just the endpoints. You can use uh, this service from anywhere because it's just email. So it doesn't really matter where it comes from, but those endpoints are useful from a latency perspective.
1: Moving on to the topic of databases, one short, quick announcement. Amazon Aurora supports the read-committed isolation level on read replicas. Uh, so Amazon Aurora with MySQL compatibility now supports the ANSI read-committed isolation level on read replicas. And this isolation level enables long-running queries on an Aurora read replica to execute without impacting the throughput of writes on the writer That would be node. kind of important. Uh, so that is... <laughs> Yeah, seems seems. It's <laughs> one of those like, actually. why is this
0: an important announcement? And they're like, ah, yes, that is an important. Announcement.
1: It's available on the MySQL Engine version 1.21 and above, compatible and compatible with MySQL 5.6 and with Engine version 2.07 and above, compatible with MySQL 5.7. Seems like a very important small update though.
0: Uh, Let's move on to the topic of developer tools and one update, but a really important one. In fact, uh, if you haven't investigated this particular update after I talk about it, you you have full permission to stop the podcast, pull your car over, look at this site and then come back. Uh, This is the Amazon Builders Library and it is now available in 16 languages. Now, I'm a huge fan of this new library because it is a collection of living articles that take readers under the hood of how Amazon Architects releases and operates the software underpinning Amazon.com and AWS. It's written – it is very cool. It's written by Amazon's senior technical leaders and engineers and it covers topics across architecture, software delivery and operations. So, for example, you can see how we automate our software delivery to do over 150 million deployments a year or how we implement principles like shuffle sharding to build resilient systems. This is – it's just so cool and I'm really excited we've been able to make this available for customers because it's kind of something that uh, as solution architects, we, we talk about with a lot of the service teams and the development teams and the principals about how we do things, but we couldn't sort of expose it as much even though we wanted to, whereas now uh, it is available. And the big news is, as I mentioned, 16 different languages. So if English is not your language, then you can choose Arabic, Indonesian, German, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, French, Vietnamese, Turkish, Russian, Thai, Japanese, Korean, Chinese simplified, Chinese traditional, and of course, the original English. And to change your preferred language, is a simple uh, drop down in the upper right-hand corner of your screen and away you go. You can also get the articles in PDF format or in Kindle format uh, for English. Uh, and this is really useful as well. Like, it's, I, I think, Nikki, it's it's like mandatory reading if you're de- developing software.
1: I was just going to say, I think we need to stop the podcast. I'm going to have to go <laughs> read this right now.
0: <laughs> it's very cool.
1: Moving on to the topic of end user computing, Amazon WorkSpaces Migrates enables migration to the Windows 10 desktop experience and the new WorkSpaces streaming protocol in beta. Uh, So this new migrate feature enables you to bring your user volume data to a new bundle and you can leverage this feature to migrate your workspaces from the Windows 7 experience to the Windows 10 desktop experience, as well as from a PC OIP workspace to a WSP powered workspace using the WorkSpaces streaming protocol, which is currently available in beta.
0: Yeah, so this is our new streaming protocol that's really uh, even more performance and, and cloud friendly as well. So I think this is a good step for customers to kind of see you know, new OS experience and new um, new streaming experience too.
1: Yeah, it seems pretty easy to do. So with the Migrate feature, you can specify the target WorkSpaces bundle by choosing from a list of public and custom bundles. And then Migrate will recreate the workspace using a new root volume from the target bundle image and the user volume from the latest original user volume snapshot. A new user profile will be generated during migrate for better compatibility and the data in your old user profile that cannot be moved into the new profile will be stored in a not migrated folder. Pretty simple, easy. Give it a go. <laughs> sounds, Give it a go. sounds like awesome. So let's move over to another cool topic, machine learning.
0: You don't like this topic at all, do you Nikki?
1: <laughs> I hate it. It's so a
0: topic. You love it.
1: Not at all. So excited. Uh, First announcement is pretty cool. Amazon Translate introduces batch translation. So yeah, you can now use the asynchronous batch translation service to translate a large collection of text or HTML documents uh, at the same time, which is great. It's now available in six regions, US East 1, US East 2, US West 2, EU West 1, Ireland, EU Central 1, Frankfurt, and Asia Pacific Northeast, which is Seoul. And then async batch operations are particularly useful for translating, again, extremely large collections with one API call. um, When the application doesn't need that real-time response, the batch service accepts a batch of up to five gigs in size per API, with each document not exceeding one megabyte in size, and the number of documents in the bucket cannot exceed 1 million per batch. It's a pretty send a big pretty batch.
0: I, I'm batch. I'm going to speculate, and this is nothing but speculation, that the uh, update to uh, the Amazon Builder's Library relates <laughs> to that particular capability in Translate, just saying. <laughs> Most,
1: yeah, I'm going to say those, those <laughs> have to be related.
0: Moving on to Amazon Comprehend, it now launched a multi-label custom classification. So with multi-label classification, you can train models and classify your documents with more than one label. So... Before this, you could do multi-class classification, which allows you to assign a single unique label to your documents. Now you have additional options to meet the needs of your application. So this makes it even more powerful than it was before. And this is, of course, a fully managed natural language processing service that lets you do text analytics to extract insights about the content of documents. And so the customization means you can really tune it to your particular use case, which is really nice. And uh, one more update in the machine learning realm is Amazon SageMaker now supports TensorFlow 2.0. So this is supported as a pre-built deep learning container. The latest version has significant upgrades to the existing API. It simplifies eager execution and offers a new data set manager and more. This is a, you know, it's a full dot release. So it's going to have lots of new stuff. The nice thing using SageMaker is you simply get access to it. You don't have to do any of the yak shaving that's often involved in getting this stuff set up. It's just good to go.
1: Moving on to the topic of management and governance, this first one's actually really interesting to me. Uh, Amazon Cognito now supports CloudWatch usage metrics. Uh, so this, this new support makes it easier for admins to monitor, report, and take automatic actions in case of an event in near real-time. Customers obviously can create those dashboards in CloudWatch for Amazon Cognito sign-in and sign-up metrics, and they can create CloudWatch alarms to watch specific metrics. It's available now in Cognito user pools at no additional cost. Uh, so we really like that. So now you can track how many people are signing in or signing out of your app, uh, when someone is creating an account, all the time. So that would help you do
0: anomaly anomaly tracking as well. Like if your signups drop suddenly or suddenly get a spike, that you can, you can see.
1: Yeah, I spend a lot of time working on cognito issues with uh, Amplify, so this is uh, I'm really excited Dick. about this specific <laughs>
0: update. Speaking of something uh, we're excited about, I'm excited about the next one, which is uh, workload shares are now available in the AWS Well-Architected tool. And this is really useful because the AWS Well-Architected Tool is a sensational method to understand how well you've built your application. Are there any high-risk issues? Are there any optimizations you can make, et cetera, based upon the pillars of the Well-Architected Framework? If you're not familiar with that, we've talked about it in the past. Um, There's a podcast about it as well, but it's basically a way to look at things across uh, profiles like cost, performance, availability, etc. It is a really useful mechanism to talk with your colleagues about how you're building your systems. Now, the new capability means you can simply share your workloads with other AWS accounts. So many customers have multiple AWS accounts to have administrative autonomy for their teams, but with workload shares, you can now create workloads in the AWS account of your choice and share them with AWS accounts used by other members of your review team or with a centralized uh, AWS account. So this obviously gives you lots of options in terms of how you visualize your workloads and do your assessments. So it's a very nice uh, sharing capability that doesn't get in the way of your organizational structure.
1: Moving on, AWS Systems Manager Quick Setup now supports targeting all instances. Uh, so this quick setup now enables you to target all instances in an account. With a single click, you can enable operational actions like patch compliance scanning and instance inventory collection across all instances in an account within an AWS region. So to get started, it's like really easy, you just choose Quick Setup from the Systems Manager and it's available in all GovCloud and commercial regions. Seems really, really cool. Uh, They weren't quite done there. AWS Systems Manager has introduced Change Calendar. This one's also interesting. Change Calendar is a new capability that helps you prevent changes to your AWS resources during important business events. Uh, So using Change Calendar, you can schedule calendar events to control the changes made to your AWS resources during events such as public marketing promotions or when you expect very high demand and traffic to your resources or your sites. Once the events are scheduled, you can then check the change calendar, programmatically determine whether changes are allowed or blocked at any given time. Uh, so you know, before invoking a function or before running a playbook that makes changes to your resources, you can check if the change is permitted by the change calendar API. A real, uh, you can define a central change calendar.
0: Sorry for biting in there, but I was gonna say, I think it's a really interesting, uh, interesting for change because If you think about how change control was done in the past, the calendar you had set was when you could do changes. And it was like a really thin sliver of time. It was like, you know, you could do it on Saturday or Sunday or, you know, some some outage time. Whereas really in this brave new world that we live in, we've turned it on its head where it's kind of like, you can make changes anytime. And really what we want to specify is the short times you can't make changes, which I think is a real big change in the mental model. And just it's kind of worth pausing for a second and reflecting on the fact that now – If we're building our systems correctly, they're tolerant of changes all the time. But there may be some cases where you just don't want to touch anything. Like you said, you know, you go, you know, it's Black Friday or a big, big, something big is happening. Yeah. Big event. But other than that, you want, you want things to change, which is interesting.
1: Yeah. It's definitely a change in the thought process. Cause I, when I, first time I saw it, I was like, Ooh, that's interesting. I never thought about it going the reverse way, but yeah, I like that one, uh, Last one here for this topic, Amazon VPC Ingress Routing now supports CloudFormation. Uh, So you can now create CloudFormation templates to provision and configure VPC Ingress Routing infrastructures predictably and repeatably. VPC Ingress Routing allows you to route ingress and egress traffic to and from internet gateways and virtual private gateways through networking and security appliances in your VPCs and you can now create them using CloudFormation. Moving on to the next topic, over to you.
0: Networking and content delivery. So you now have query volume metrics available for Amazon Route 53 Resolver Endpoints. So this includes the aggregate number of queries that are handled by an outbound Resolver Endpoint. And this aggregate... Metric combines query counts from all accounts that are using shared conditional forwarding rules associated with the outbound resolver endpoint. You can also view query volume metrics for each IP address that is associated with an inbound or outbound resolver endpoint. So this gives you, a, again, a, a more detailed granular view of the query traffic that's flowing amongst the IP addresses that are associated with one of those endpoints. So you can see the activity level at a glance and you can understand if things are working as expected, as not expected, and of course, Uh, With with anything like this, with these types of CloudWatch metrics, you can set up events, you can take actions, you can notify, it gives you lots more flexibility and visibility.
1: Moving on to the topic of Internet of Things, AWS IoT Greengrass Core SDK for Node.js version 1.6 now supports Greengrass Stream Manager. Uh, So Greengrass released an IoT Greengrass Core SDK for Node.js, which provides support for the Greengrass Stream Manager which makes it easier to collect, process, and export data streams from IoT devices and manages the lifecycle of that data on the device to reduce development time. Moving on again to a new topic of migration and transfer. Simon, what has launched in migration? Yeah, so I
0: transfer for SFTP now supports VPC security groups and Elastic IP addresses. So this is very handy. Now you can whitelist client IP addresses using VPC security groups, which gives you an extra layer of security into your SFTP servers. And you can also associate an elastic IP address to the service's endpoint. So this lets uh, end users behind firewalls whitelist access to the endpoint. So this is a really useful way to uh, more easily replace maybe some existing SFTP setups that you've got, which are often kind of really important to the transfer of data, but somewhat unloved from a maintenance and management perspective. By being able to move to the AWS SFTP uh, capability, it means you don't have to manage that service anymore, but this change has allowed you to uh, customize it in a way that's probably familiar to many people who use SFTP in the past, where often you'll have another company sending you data. You say, hey, just whitelist this IP address. This is the only one we're going to use. Send the data across that way. Now we've we've talked uh, price drops today and, and free and other things, but we are not done because uh the cloud Endure disaster recovery team are also very pleased to announce a reduction of price by 80% uh for cloud Endure disaster right. recovery. Yeah, yeah. 80% is a lot of percents. Uh, So this now moves it to uh, um, uh, $0.028 per hour. So it's uh, 2.8 cents per hour per server. Um, Basically works out to about 20 bucks a month per server. Uh, And by moving from a contract-based to usage-based billing, we're aligning to the consumption model that gives you greater flexibility. And so now you can just pay a, a per server hourly rate and get all the benefits you want. So what is cloud your disaster recovery? Well, it lets you meet stringent recovery requirements for all major disaster recovery use cases. So this is on-premises to the cloud, cross region, cross availability zone, and cross cloud. Whatever the use case, it's the same setup, same process. Uh, you can maintain, monitor, and test your DR plan. Thousands of customers already use this, and so it's a really useful uh, tool to maintain the business continuity of some of your most critical databases. For example, Oracle, MySQL, and SQL Server. Uh, applications like SAP as well so this is very exciting and it's much more accessible than ever before
1: moving on to the topic of mobile this one's pretty cool aws device farm announces desktop browser testing using selenium so device farm will now let you test your web apps against different desktop versions of chrome firefox and internet explorer browsers that are hosted in the cloud by simply changing a few lines of code in your existing selenium test, you can start running them on device farms fully managed browser grid Super, super yeah. cool.
0: Big fan of big fan of device farm. I think it, I think it, it solves the uh, what's the old thing that when Java first came out was uh, write once, test everywhere. I think that's the world we still live in, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yep, absolutely. Moving on to the topic of networking and content delivery, I just like to preempt this announcement with I have not been to all these countries. But you but so na- well that's building your itinerary. just <laughs> dis- disproving your uh, your pattern theory, but CloudFront has launched in five new countries. Bulgaria, haven't been to. Greece, have been to. Hungary, nope. Kenya, nope. And Romania, nope. Wow, my itinerary is set. Uh, <laughs> uh so there are uh, edge locations now in those five new countries that I just listed and viewers in these countries will now see on average up to a 50% reduction in first byte latency when accessing content through CloudFront. And you just get it. It just happens.
0: It's a beautiful thing. And so CloudFront now has 216 points of presence in 84 cities across 42 countries. And the nice thing is you don't have to do anything to take use of it. If you're already using CloudFront, it just works. And I see this in uh, in day-to-day life because obviously... The AWS podcast uses CloudFront for its distribution. And one thing I do notice is that customers love how quick they get their download uh, once the pop is in place. And the nice thing is we don't have to do anything to make that happen. It just works, which is very exciting for those countries. Uh, one, one more okay. update. AWS private Link now supports private DNS names for internal and third-party services. So this means you can now access uh, privately uh, using private DNS names like myinternalservice.mycompany.com. And what this also means is you can access your internal and third party AWS private link based services without making changes to your application to use the AWS specified public DNS name or managing private DNS names in your own Route 53 private hosted zone. So it's kind of the the shortcut is it just makes it easier.
1: Moving on to the topic of quick starts, we have a couple new quick starts here. The first one is a new quick start that deploys IBM FileNet Content Manager on AWS. And so this quick start will automatically deploy a production ready instance of IBM FileNet Content Manager version 5.5.3 on the cloud into a VPC that spans multiple availability zones. And the FileNet Content Manager enables you to create business apps with embedded content services, also regarding IBM, that deploys IBM Cloud Pak for data on a Red Hat OpenShift container platform cluster. So AWS and IBM released a major update to the IBM Cloud Pak for data on the AWS Quickstart. And this Start automatically deploys a multi-master production instance of IBM Cloud Pak for data on a Red Hat OpenShift Container Platform 3.11 cluster on the cloud. This cluster is created in a new or existing VPC on Red Hat Enterprise Linux 7.7 instances using the Red Hat OpenShift quick start. There's a little combination of a few quick starts there, but IBM Cloud Pak for data is an analytics platform that helps you prepare your data for artificial intelligence. Wow, that one sounds really, really awesome. And the last quick start deploys iBase T Solumina on the cloud. Uh, so this quick start deploys iBase T Solumina manufacturing execution system on the cloud in about one and a half to two hours. Solumina is an MES software suite that manages manufacturing, maintenance, repair, and overhaul of engineered products. It improves manufacturing productivity, quality, and compliance by providing greater visibility for operators, supervisors, and plant managers, and also improves productivity by managing work instructions, amendments, and corrections. And it's now available through Quick Start. Super easy. Just automatically deploy it.
0: Very nice. Moving on to the topic of security identity and compliance, some updates for the AWS Security Hub. You now have the ability to disable specific compliance controls. Now so you may say, well, why would I want to do that? Well, there are some times where particular compliance controls are not relevant to you. So now you can turn them off and they're now not counted against your compliance readiness score for that particular standard. And they have a mandatory field, though, to explain why it has been disabled. Also, any disablement actions are logged to Cloud CloudTrail as well. So you can uh, see what changes have you made, but this lets you tweak some of those things that you may have a particular reason why you can't follow that particular rule. Also, AWS Security Hub has released integrations with four new partners. This brings the total number of integrations to 47 integrations, including 41 external partner integrations and six AWS service integrations. So now supports integrating with IBM QRadar, which is a uh, SIEM platform, Slack, which is a a little service one or two of you may have heard of, Uh, ServiceNow, ITSM, and ServiceNow SecOps as well. So this makes it really easy to get that one picture view of everything that's going on in your world. And another one, uh, another announcement in security is AWS Key Management Service now expands support for asymmetric keys. So KMS now enables customers to create asymmetric customer master keys, or CMKs uh, to generate data key pairs in all regions where KMS is available except in the Beijing and Ningxia regions. So what this means is that AWS customers and third parties can perform unauthenticated encryption outside of AWS KMS using an RSA public key, but enforce authenticated decryption within AWS KMS using the corresponding private key. Similarly, customers can use ECC or RSA private keys to generate digital signatures and third parties can perform verification outside of AWS KMS using the public keys. This is a very powerful new feature that uh, warrants more discussion uh, in the future.
1: Moving on to the topic of storage, AWS Backup delivers fast restore experience or Amazon Elastic File System item level recovery. So What this means is that you can now use AWS Backup to perform granular recovery of individual files or folders from Amazon EFS backups using a centralized console for a simplified and fast restore experience to meet more stringent recovery time objective requirements. Uh, To get started, you simply choose the item level restore type and provide one or more paths you would like to recover using the AWS Backup Console SDK or CLI. And this release is just a continuation of our commitment to make data protection streamlined and scalable and amazing for our customers. Uh, So now you can basically use backup to do that. Backup wasn't quite done there though and they now support cross-region backup, uh, which enables customers to copy backups across multiple services to different regions. Cross-region backup offers a centralized solution to store a copy of backup data more than a region away from production data, helping you to more easily meet business continuity, disaster recovery, and compliance requirements.
0: Now, the uh, EFS team was also busy and they have introduced uh, EFS access points. So this is a new EFS feature that simplifies providing applications access to shared data sets in an EFS file system. So EFS access points work together with IAM to enforce an operating system user and group, and a directory for every file system request made through the access point. So this helps you with scalability security and ease of use and things that can make use of this include container-based environments where developers build and deploy their own containers, Data science applications need access to production data and sharing a specific directory in your file system with other AWS accounts. Uh, EFS also now supports IAM management for network file system clients as well. So you can use IAM roles to identify NFS clients with cryptographic security and use IAM policies to manage client-specific permissions. So this again helps you scale up and maintain security as well. And Amazon FSx for Lustre announces AWS repository for Lustre clients. I'm excited about this one because this is one of those, again, those simple small changes that makes life easier. So uh, now you have access to Lustre clients that are distributed from AWS repositories. So this allows you to uh, install very, very easily on Red Hat Enterprise Linux, CentOS and Ubuntu and Amazon Linux 2 and Amazon Linux as well. So before today, if you're using those particular platforms, you downloaded clients from the community repositories and applied patches and built in clients as you needed to. Starting now, uh, the AWS repositories for the Lustre client will provide clients compatible with the latest operating systems and these operating system versions when they're generally available. And so Ubuntu 16.04 plus, uh, Ubuntu 18.04 plus, RHEL 7.7 plus and CentOS 7.7 plus.
1: Looks like Amazon FSx file systems also launched some administration features such as data deduplication, user storage quotas, and others. Uh, So they've now made data deduplication, user storage quotas, and other admin features available to all file systems. Until today, these features were available only on file systems created since November 20th. But now storage admins can use these features on any existing Amazon FSx file system. Uh, so that's data deduplication to reduce storage costs, user storage quotas to monitor and control user level storage consumption, file share management via PowerShell to automate migration, synchronization, and ongoing management of file shares, and user sessions and open file management to restore activity on files locked by inactive users, and lastly, enforcement of in-transit encryption on all file system connections to meet your compliance needs. Uh, and Then finally, we have our last topic, training and certification?
0: Yeah. So there are a bunch of uh, new courses available for customers to use. We have the AWS Game Tech Starter Pack Digital Training Curriculum. So this covers the key features of Amazon Game Lift and Amazon Lumberyard, as well as how you can use uh, analytic solutions like uh, Amazon Kinesis and EMR to lead to insights to solve real-world problems with games. Uh, So this has four courses in it. You've got the Amazon Game Lift Primer, the Amazon Lumberyard Primer, the Data Analytics Fundamentals, and Why Analytics for Games. So it's eight hours of digital video content. Uh, And this is useful for back-end game developers, operational engineers, architects, designers, producers, artists, data scientists, analysts, and business leaders. So this is a really useful one. Also, there's a new digital course on edX, which is about building containerized application on AWS. So again, a self-paced course. You have video lectures, hands-on exercise guides, demonstrations, and quizzes. Uh, So this uh, covers things like uh, ECS, uh, EKS, LightSail, and ECR, so it's a good way to get going. Now You can uh, audit this course for free for five weeks, or you can pay a one-time fee of $99 to earn a completion certificate and access course content check out the link in the show notes. And finally, there's a new classroom course, which is called planning and designing databases on AWS. This is a new three-day instructor-led course. Yeah. This sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? Yeah. This teaches you about key features of AWS database services and how to choose the appropriate service to meet applications needs and requirements. You'll also learn how to analyze several sample applications and determine the appropriate database service for each application. And then design and deploy a service to meet an application's needs and business requirements. This would be a good one, I reckon, if you're a, a, a long-term DBA and you feel like you want to really stretch out into a whole lot of the the new databases that are available and really get that feel for how to how to choose. This is probably
1: a good one to go to. There's so many different kinds of databases on AWS. I feel like this is useful for anyone because they're launching new database types every other day. Yeah. So I definitely want to take this. Yeah,
0: it's all about <laughs> using the right tool for the right job. So you got you got to understand them. So that's it uh, a lot of a uh, lot of things we've covered today Nikki how do people get in touch with you on this newfangled thing they call Twitter
1: Yeah. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, My username is K-N-E-E-K-E-Y 23. That's me like your knee and a key 23. Feel free to give us feedback on the podcast or amplify or anything that we talked about today. Uh, We love to hear your feedback all the time. Thanks for joining us.
0: Indeed. We do love your feedback. If you want to give us a review or a star review or drop an email at at Amazon.com, We always respond to everything we get. And thanks very much for listening. And until next time, keep on building.